You're listening to the free abridged edition of the Energy Transition Show. Oil, coal, hydro, nuclear energy, natural gas, energy infrastructure, solar power, wind turbines. But we're in an energy constrained world and we're trying to ramp down fossil fuel production. The problem is that that only works if we can ramp up clean energy production at the same pace or even faster. Whenever you're in a transition like this, there are definitely costs that have to be addressed, and there's risks, because we haven't done this before. For December 13th, 2023, this is the Energy Transition Show with Chris Nelder. This is our second show based on my travels to the UK in the autumn of 2023. In this episode, we're going to take a brief look at how the offshore wind sector is faring in the UK, as well as the US and elsewhere. And we'll visit a port in the North Sea where a large new offshore wind farm is being installed off the coast of Scotland. It's been a difficult year for the offshore wind sector. Substandard components, supply chain issues, rising costs for components and labor, general inflation, and rising interest rates have all conspired to significantly increase the cost of building projects. But the prices for the sale of the power produced by many of the projects were set in power purchase agreements, known as PPAs, years ago, before the arrival of COVID, before the Russian invasion of Ukraine kicked off a global round of inflation, and before central banks intervened to raise interest rates in an effort to curb inflation. Now those prices are simply too low for developers of offshore wind projects to build them profitably, and so a number of PPAs and projects in the U.S., the U.K., and elsewhere have been cancelled or sent back out for new bids. For the time being, however, major offshore wind developers have taken some painful hits, including write-downs of $5.6 billion for Orsted, $540 million for BP, and $300 million for Equinor. Suppliers are facing heavy losses, too. Siemens Energy, a unit of industrial giant Siemens and one of the world's largest wind turbine manufacturers, is seeking a bailout from the German government amid expectations of a $4.79 billion loss this year. And General Electric, another wind turbine manufacturer, reported that its offshore wind division expects to lose $1 billion this year. I've put a collection of links to news stories about all of that in the show notes, so if you're interested in learning more about the details, log into our website and check them out. Remember, our website is the only place you can find our extensive show notes. They are not included in the notes that you see in your podcast player app. Although the project cancellations made headlines, they don't mean that offshore wind is facing insurmountable long-term or structural challenges. Most serious observers of the sector, including me, still view them as temporary setbacks on the way to a very robust future in which offshore wind will play a key role in supplying the clean energy needed to make the energy transition a success. The offshore wind sector is experiencing some real challenges, but I think in retrospect they'll be fairly ephemeral. And the news isn't all bad. Some major U.S. offshore wind projects are still moving ahead, including the 1.5 gigawatt Atlantic Shores offshore wind project off the coast of New York and New Jersey, the 704 megawatt Revolution Wind project off the coast of Connecticut, and the 2.6 gigawatt Coastal Virginia offshore wind project off the coast of Virginia. Numerous offshore wind projects are still moving ahead in the U.K. as well, as we'll hear in this episode. As an example of the disconnect between downbeat headlines and the actual positive activity in the sector, consider this Reuters headline from November 2, 2023. Quote, U.S. offshore wind sector fundamentally broken, BP exec. Then about halfway through the article, the very same BP exec is quoted as saying, 
I believe all these projects will be built. <laughs> and he's right. They will. After the sector goes through a bit of a reset, figures out what the new pricing needs to be, strikes new contracts with that new pricing, and gets the projects moving again. These cancellations that we've heard so much about are speed bumps, not showstoppers. Another speed bump encountered in the UK this year was its failed annual auction for the Contract for Difference, or CFD, incentive, which received no bids for the offshore wind offer this year. That, too, is being addressed and should not happen again. We'll learn more about all of that later in this episode. Then, in the extra-long news segment of this episode, we'll review a number of offshore wind projects that are going ahead, as well as some moves by U.S. states to provide more support for the offshore wind industry. And we'll note a new record-fast installation of an offshore wind turbine. And now, let's go to the interviews, recorded live and in person on October 16th in Edinburgh, Scotland, and November 8th, 2023, in London, England. To begin our story, I visited the Edinburgh office of Ocean Winds, a major offshore wind developer, and interviewed Melissa McCarrow, their head of external affairs and policy. I asked her about the potential for offshore wind in the UK. I think particularly for Scotland, there's a huge potential, and in the UK more broadly as well. The government have set some very challenging targets for 2030 of 50 gigawatts of offshore wind which has increased a lot in recent years, as I think we've all come to understand how we are going to reach net zero. You need massive amounts of investment, in particular offshore wind, which can bring so many benefits, not just in terms of carbon reduction, but in reducing consumer bills and advantages for supply chain and jobs and, and energy security, I think is a big watchword for everyone in the UK at the moment. We've seen what's happened in the Ukraine the impact that's had on European gas prices has been very challenging for the sector in the last couple of years. So I think there is even more opportunity and even more want for offshore wind in the UK. I think the Scottish government have a relatively modest target for development of offshore wind, which is around 10 to 11 gigawatts, although there is a lot more licenses been granted. And we do think that the Scottish government will update that to in excess of 15 to 20 gigawatts in the next couple of years when they republish their strategy for offshore wind. I think there's a huge amount of potential there. And Ocean Winds actually are speaking frequently with Scottish government to, to encourage them to up their target. If you look at the number of licenses in Scotland that have been granted for seabed leases, it's well in excess of that, of that 10 gigawatts. I think it's up to around 20. And policymakers understand that you're not going to have net zero without a significant proportion of offshore wind coming from Scotland. There just simply isn't the space and the capacity down in England. You know, Scotland has this massive untapped resource. I always think it's Scotland's superpower. Yeah. You'll know from your travels around Scotland that there can be a lot of wind, yeah. particularly with the North Sea and the oil and gas business. I think there's a huge technological base up there and the massive opportunities for continued development. But I think Ocean Wind see us as playing a key part in that. We have six gigawatts of projects in development or under construction or in operation in Scotland. And other developers have similar amounts. Up to 10% of the UK's target could be just met with our current portfolio. And wow. Yeah. It's a really exciting time for the industry. Absolutely. I mean, that makes you a large player in the offshore wind system in the UK. Absolutely. I think even just looking around the office in Edinburgh that we're in at the moment, we've had a 100% increase in the number of employees here in the past 12 months. Wow. We have people working here now that we've recruited from 
20 to 25 different countries of that sort of wind development expertise. And I think this is being replicated across Scotland and the sector as a whole. It's a place where people want to invest and want to do these projects. Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense. I mean, as I understand it, Scotland already produces more in the form of renewable power than it actually consumes. It does. I'm not sure of the exact numbers, but I think that target was met a couple of years ago that yeah. Scotland itself, if you're just looking at electricity generation, is sort of hit that net zero and is an exporter now of, of clean energy generation down to down to England. So you've referred to Ocean Winds as a developer. Why don't you briefly explain for our listeners what the role of Ocean Winds is with respect to getting a project built and then operating it and then delivering power to the grid? Yeah. Well, Ocean Winds is a joint venture between Angie and EDPR, which is EDP Renewables, which are two huge energy companies here in Europe. And there was a number of joint venture opportunities that the two companies were exploring in offshore wind. And, and Ocean Winds was born out of that as the number of opportunities in different geographies just grew and grew. Ocean Wind started off as a developer, but pleasingly in the last couple of years, it's now an operator and it has projects in construction as well, which is, has been a change for the company. In the UK, we have one project called Moray East, which is 900 megawatts, and that's currently operational. It was operational from 2022. Next door to that in the Moray Firth, in the same region in the northeast of Scotland, we have the Moray West project, which is almost 900 megawatts as well, and that's currently under construction and is expected to come on stream next year. So we will then have a portfolio of two gigawatts in Scotland, which will be operational. And then there's the Caledonia project. Yeah, the Caledonia project, also next to the two that I've just described, that's in advanced stage development. And planning permission is expected to be submitted quite soon on that project, and it's up to two gigawatts. It's double the size. A proportion of it might be floating, depending on how the design pans out, but that is something that Ocean Winds also has experience of in other geographies. So the numbers that we've been talking about so far were really just for turbines that stand on the ocean floor. Yeah. We're not even talking about floating. We're not talking about floating. No, fixed bottom yeah. offshore wind projects. Okay. Because floating could, as you say, potentially open up a whole new tranche of very large amounts of wind. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why we're, as an industry, watching very closely how some of these floating projects globally are progressing. I think there's a number of of medium-sized developments which are in construction and being tested at the moment. And I think technologically, in a few short years, advances in floating have come on a long way. And so I think there is a real potential. It's still an unknown. So I think certainly for our current Scottish portfolio, we are focused on fixed bottom. We've experienced in delivering it, experience in constructing it. But absolutely, there's a number of immeasurable untapped potential for floating if you can, yeah. if you can get it connected to the mainland, which is yeah. also a challenge. I wanted to visit an offshore wind farm to get a sense of the scale of these turbines, but that's a hard ticket to get. It's a non-trivial matter to travel out to an actual installation in the sea, and everyone who does go out there does so out of necessity. Even most people who work at offshore wind developers never get to visit an actual site, let alone journalists and podcasters. So instead, I traveled about 125 miles northwest of the Isle of Egg, which was our subject in the previous episode, to a port at Invergordon, Scotland. There, the components were being marshaled for the Moray West wind farm that Melissa mentioned. This was my first visit to an offshore wind farm port facility, and it was truly amazing. It inspires the kind of big iron fascination that I have only experienced previously in the offshore oil and gas industry. Located about 22 kilometers off the coast of Aberdeenshire in the Moray Firth, an inlet along the northeast edge of Scotland in the North Sea. 
The 882-megawatt Moray West project secured development rights in 2010, planning consents in 2018 and 2019, and power sale contracts under the UK's Contracts for Difference regime in 2021. The wind farm will comprise 60 Siemens Gamesa 14.7 megawatt wind turbines and two offshore substations. The turbines will be installed on what are called monopile foundations, giant steel tubes that are pounded into the sea floor. With the helpful guidance of Ocean Winds stakeholder manager Roger McMichael, I toured the port facility and gazed in astonishment at the size of the monopiles, massive steel tubes about 93 meters long, roughly the distance between the goal lines of an American football field, and about 10 meters or about 33 feet wide at the base. They are the largest and heaviest XXL monopiles ever handled in the UK. Each one weighs at least 1,700 tons and is installed by a specialized Dutch vessel named Boscalis II, which I had the privilege of touring with its captain. This absolutely massive ship transports three of the monopiles at a time out to the site, then one by one, a massive crane lifts them up and places them on this huge armature that hangs off the side of the ship. That armature then tilts them until they're upright, at which point a sort of collar apparatus goes around the monopile and holds it in place, while a giant vibration hammer pounds each one deep into the seabed, where the water is around 40 to 50 meters deep. A transition piece is installed atop each monopile, and then the turbine head. The hub of each turbine stands about 151 meters above the water, and the diameter of the rotor is a whopping 222 meters, or about 728 feet. Each of the rotor's blades, the Siemens Gamesa integral blades, are 108 meters long, and they are recyclable. Each turbine can provide enough energy to power around 18,000 households for a year. In 2022, this turbine model set a new world record for the most power output by a single wind turbine in a 24-hour period, 359 megawatt hours. These turbines will be the largest ever installed in the UK. The turbines are then connected up via 66 kilovolt cables to two substations, also mounted on monopiles, which will collect the generated power and send it about 45 kilometers over two 220 kilovolt high voltage alternating current, or HVAC cables, to their connection point on land. It's a truly amazing bit of kit, as they say in the UK. Log into our website and go to the show notes for this episode to see some pretty mind-blowing pictures I took of the monopiles and the installation vessel. While Ocean Winds powers ahead with their new Moray West and Caledonia wind farms, projects that weren't yet ready to go ran into a new hurdle in September, a failed auction for the UK's Contracts for Difference, or CFD, offer. And here we need to wade deep into the weeds of this policy mechanism in order to understand the implications of this critical event. We hope you've enjoyed this free sample of the Energy Transition Show. Our full episodes cover much more and are typically 60 to 90 minutes long. When you become a full annual subscriber, you'll get two new complete episodes each month, access to our entire back catalog, extensive show notes, interview transcripts, the text of the news items for each episode, and access to our exclusive job board. Your premium members-only subscription will work in all apps and players that support podcast feeds, including Apple Podcasts and Pocket Casts, so you can easily listen from your mobile device on the go. 
The first 33 episodes of the Energy Transition Show were free, and always will be, so if you want to see what our full shows contain, feel free to check those out. Then we hope you'll become a member and support our show. In order to bring you the most unfiltered, unbiased, honest information possible, we have elected not to take any sponsors or advertisers. The Energy Transition Show is entirely supported by listener subscriptions. To become a subscriber and enjoy our full offerings, just point your browser to energytransitionshow.com and click the Become a Member button. Annual subscriptions, which include full access to our entire back catalog of full-length episodes, are just $60 a year. Monthly subscriptions are $6.99 a month and give you access to the two most recent episodes. Single episodes can be purchased for $7 each. We also offer discounted annual subscriptions for individual university students and professors, as well as group licenses for companies, nonprofits, and universities. So join us today and support our ad-free podcast featuring high-quality, cutting-edge interviews and news about the most important story of our time, energy transition. And now, an extra-long look at some recent news items. Item 1. On October 18th, the first completed turbine of the first commercial-scale offshore wind farm in the U.S. was installed. The 13-megawatt GE Haliad X wind turbine generator was the first of 62 turbines that will make up the 806-megawatt Vineyard Wind 1 project located 15 miles off the coast of Martha's Vineyard, Massachusetts. Over the first 20 years of operation, the project is expected to save customers $1.4 billion and reduce carbon emissions by more than 1.6 million metric tons per year. The project is being built by Avangrid, a leading sustainable energy company and a member of the Iberdrola Group, and Copenhagen Infrastructure Partners, or CIP, a global leader in green energy investment. Offshore construction commenced in late 2022, first steel in the water occurred in June 2023, and the company projects that the first power generation will come before the end of 2023, with project completion in 2024. Item 2. On October 10th, the Dogger Bank wind farm exported its first electricity to the UK's power grid. Located 70 nautical miles, or 130 kilometers, off the coast of Yorkshire in the UK's... Well, that's it for this episode of the Energy Transition Show. Thanks for listening. You can find our show archive and give us feedback and suggestions at energytransitionshow.com. On social media, you can follow us on Mastodon at transitionshow at mastodon.energy or on Twitter at transitionshow. Chris Nelder creates the show. Kevin Melsheimer edits it and makes us all sound brilliant. And Justin Ritchie produces our listener experience. Mike Sugar composed and produced our theme music, and you can find him at MikeSugarMusic.com. The Energy Transition Show is a production of the XE Network.